Welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch, a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have my really good friend with me. We've been friends for a really long time. Welcome, Amanda Thebe, to the show. Today, we're going to talk all about, well, of course, menopause and midlife and fitness. She's a fitness and nutrition coach and has been for the last 20 years. She uh, is just a pioneer in women's women's health. And uh, I'm so lucky to have her as a friend. We're going to be discussing her just career trajectory and how she landed this phenomenal and really exciting uh, new book. And I just cannot wait to get into it and tell everyone all about it. So Amanda, welcome. Thank you for having me on the show. I know um, we have all of these like off social media chats all the time and I love them you know um and so I do think we've become firm online friends I'd love to meet you in person I feel like it's it's inevitable if a pandemic wasn't happening I think it would be inevitable I know. especially because I actually had one of my um children in Boston I lived there for two years my husband That's went right. to business school there and I had my first child there so I have lots of fond memories of Boston Yes, we actually met when I worked in Ohio. I remember our first conversation in my old kitchen and we sat and talked for like two hours and realized that we had so many things in common all surrounding how to improve women's lives in in menopause and perimenopause in the middle of our lives, right? Yeah, it's it's sort of more broader scope. I mean, I know you're a menopause specialist and an expert. We all come to you for that expertise. But it's just women's health. It's so important. And it's often neglected in sort of like over the overall message of health and wellness. And we have these specific needs and um, nuances that we have to talk about. And um, I think the reason that I sort of connected with you is because I was like, finally, somebody sort of talking the same message with me, but from a different vantage point, obviously, with your expertise and education. And then secondly, um, a doctor who lifts. I saw you doing some, <laughs> some deadlifts in your garage and I'm like, she's my lady. That's my lady. <laughs> I always tell my daughter, girls are strong. And she goes around saying it all the time now. And it just, yeah. it makes my it. heart so, so happy. So Amanda, uh, I can't wait to, to get into talking about this book. And that was sort of the uh, main reason we wanted to get together and finally do a show together. But tell uh, the listeners here, what was the gap that you saw in the midlife and menopause space? And when did you see it? And what the heck did you want to do about it? Yes, it was really interesting. I mean, I might start off by saying, you know, when you have these dreams when you're younger, and, and I'd always said, I'm going to write a book. And I'd done lots of traveling, like extensively, like I took a gap year and, and gone around the world on my own. And it was a big and brave thing to do at the time. I'd actually did it following my first marriage. Not that I'm planning on having many more, but like the first one didn't work out. And I was 27, 28, and I just was like, I need to go. And so I did and thought I'd write all about that. And it never happened, even though I like kept a journal. 
but essentially, like you say, I've been in the health and wellness industry. Actually, it's, I got my personal training certification when I was 21 and I'm 50 next month. So actually it's three decades and that's really scary. <laughs> think of that but let's not focus on numbers too much anyway and so you know when I, I and I've obviously kept educated because as part of the personal training sort of like sort of world you have to keep continuing education going and I love all of that and um, I've never and I've done pre and postnatal education and I've done nutrition education and I've done you know I've even done over like senior education you know, like so I've, do, I've done the full gamut. It's all very interesting to me. Never once was I, did I hear the word perimenopause or the word menopause in any conversation at all. When I started doing online classes in Toronto, where I spent 15 years, I had women that were similar to me coming to, to train and some that were in their 50s. And they would come in and say, oh, menopause is kicking my ass today. I don't think I can do it. And I'd be like, in a really flippant way, oh, you'll be fine. Just push through, you know. And, and I'd say it in a, in a really encouraging way, but not really understanding the depth of despair that they were going through. This, and was, I, this was before you hit your perimenopause oh, time. This is before I got walloped with the <laughs> menopause shit stick, basically. Yeah. And so I, I mean, it was continually encouraging and I would tell them to pull back if needed, but I also had the mentality of this was something they could overcome. Similar to when you had PMS, like sometimes it's just do it and you'll feel better afterwards. Um, and sometimes you do in perimenopause, but sometimes you really don't. And so it's, I, I didn't understand any of that. And so when I went into my 40s, so obviously a decade ago, I sort of went into it with a, a, what I thought was an advantage and some, a decent amount of confidence. You know, I'd had two children in my late 30s and I was in my early 40s feeling fit, strong, healthy, like my health markers were great. My doctors were always super happy with all of those. And so... You're like and on top of the world. I'm nailing this aging shit. Like I've got it. I thought like, this is it. Like, this is how you do it. Look at me for all your advice. Cause I know how to do it. <laughs> I was just so wrong. <laughs> and, and so what happened is in, I think I was 43, 42, 43. I'd been doing a boxing class and I loved it. Cause I used to, I, I'm a black belt in martial arts and I haven't Get done out. it. Yeah. Yeah. It kept me off the streets of the Northeast of England. I'm telling you when you're a kid, you need something like that there. And, um, so essentially, um, I was doing this boxing class because I just liked like the like the fighting and the hitting of the bags, and I work really hard in these classes. Like it's an opportunity for me to go like full full out. And then afterwards, I I went home and I just was like, oh, I think I've pushed too hard. I don't feel very well, and that and had me in bed for a couple of days, which clearly wasn't normal. And I thought to myself, I wonder if I've picked up a virus, and I just don't feel great. I had terrible dizziness and vertigo, um, nausea. When I tried to walk, I couldn't. I sort of had to crawl across the floor on my hands and my knees. And my husband was like, are you having a stroke or something? And I was like, oh, no. And so I literally just spent a few days in bed and it got better. And I thought, oh, it was just something that just like came and went. But then it happened again and again and again. Hi, doggy. <laughs> and again. And so... 
it was over the, over like the next six months, I had these episodes that I, I couldn't describe specifically to somebody and said that I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing this. It was like a series of episodes that made me feel very unwell. So I went to my doctor and said, something's not right. And he said, you know what? I think you've got vertigo. And so he referred me to a, a vestibular rehabilitation specialist and also an ear, nose, throat doctor. Both of those said it wasn't the um, positional vertigo. And they said that I definitely was experiencing some sort of shift, balance shift, but they couldn't specifically say what it was. And then got referred to neurologists. I got referred, I got CT scans, MRI scans. Essentially for two years, I was seeing doctors experiencing these terrible bouts of feeling unwell. In addition to that, I started struggling with incontinence. Mm-hmm. which was like, what the heck? Mm-hmm. I've had two children in my 30s and was perfectly fine. I could jump on a trampoline. Now I, I cough and laugh and I'm, I've peed my pants. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, depression. I got, and depression to me was probably the, the worst of all the symptoms because it wasn't physical and it wasn't tangible. I just wasn't myself, but I didn't even know it was depression. I would um, go to my um, clients and work with them and there'd normally be a three or four hour period in between the day where I would do writing. I'd write a lot of fitness articles. I would normally go home and write and work in the house. Um, But I would just sit on the sofa and just stare into space and actually withdraw from life. And um, it was a terrible time. It went on for a couple couple of years. Years? Yeah. Like, so I think that I had the depression for about 18 months without any real answers, but I never, I never actually asked for answers because I was, I was so busy trying to find out what was wrong with my balance and, and, um, and now this incontinence and nobody could help me that I think that the depression as well as being a symptom of the perimenopause was also a circumstantial thing as well. Like I was literally in despair. I didn't know what was happening to this fit and healthy body that I'd invested so much time and effort and education in. And um, so I then went to see my gynecologist in Toronto, who was this guy who I had to see every year for ovarian cysts, actually. And again, he said, yeah, everything's fine with your ovarian cysts. And he was about to leave the office and he looked at me and he went, but is everything okay with you? It's the first time he'd actually spoke to me like, like in person with any real sort of, and I started crying, you know, I was like, you know, doctors always make you cry. And I started crying and I just blurted everything out. And he just said, hasn't anybody ever associated what you're going through with your hormones? And they went, hormones? And he went, these are all very typical symptoms of perimenopause. And I'm really sorry it's took you two years to get answers. And he said, what you're experiencing is perfectly normal for a woman your age. And he says, I can help you. You're not going crazy. And this is something that we can, you know, we can move forward from. And it just was like the light bulb moment and things just got easy. didn't get easy from there. But, you know, the minute you have answers, you can start to at least process things and put things into into place and I had two years of no answers thinking I was doing something wrong Mm -hmm. and then this guy turns around and says you're not this is what happens in perimenopause and and it was really funny because right then I said what's perimenopause because this is like seven years ago even then it wasn't a word 
that was used, I still had these um, preconceived ideas that menopause was an old lady thing that happened. I was way too young for it, that I thought your periods just stopped and then you were in menopause and you might have a few hot flashes. I mean, literally, that was my extent of my knowledge about menopause. As most I- people's is, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple of really important themes that I see and that are so commonly experienced by women, which is at first uh, the fact that you've seen multiple doctors, just as you mentioned, you see a sleep doctor, an endocrinologist, a psychologist, a neurologist, yeah. right? You see all these different doctors. And that is definitely, we know what happens to women when they are uh, misdiagnosed. Um, you developed a lot of classic symptoms that, again, often also could easily be attributed to something else. But when you have all these together and you're of an age where it may be perimenopause, um, that was probably the Occam's razor, the one thing that all these things stemmed from. And that this kind of came out of the blue for you and someone who is otherwise really up to speed on staying healthy and thriving and, and being, you know, just rocking their 40s, you know, this kind of hits you pretty hard. And uh, the, the last part is that it, it, it is for many women so reassuring to know that not that this alleviates their symptoms, but that this is kind of normal. Um, And it's always experienced a little bit different, but these are some of the things that women experience. Yeah, right. Like, I mean, yeah, it's normal. Um, And and I, I get a little bit frustrated as well when I read things like, you know, this is a life transition and it's normal and every woman should go through it. And, and it's fine and just sort of suck it up. My quality of life was um, impeded so badly that um, when I came out of the doctor's appointment and I, I went and met my husband for lunch because he was downtown where the doctor's was and he sat there and I was bawling like a baby and I said, I'm not going crazy. Apparently I'm in perimenopause and that sort of can account for all of these symptoms and he went oh thank god for that I thought you were going to leave me because our relationship had really taken a hit and I I could never explain to my husband why I was feeling the way I was feeling to him because I didn't know and so if I didn't know how the hell was he supposed to know mm-hmm. and so that actually was a really good point for both of us to start Open, yeah. commun- open communication. We, he knows everything, everything <laughs> now, you know, and I think it's, that's an essential part of the puzzle as well. Right. And so imagine that barrier to communication when you had no idea, even, even the word perimenopause made you feel better, right? Just the word, just the idea that you could go home and look it up and sort of attribute these to something other than, you know, I think as a society, we certainly have, um, a this notion that everything it's our fault we we're eating the wrong things or we're not exercising enough or you know our, the mood symptoms are our own fault um this physiologic shift is so massive that and it can start anywhere in our 30s 40s 50s that's just the thing we don't know each individual woman doesn't know when perimenopause or menopause may come and they can last a really long time so you found this out and sort of 
did that spark you to really want to uh, learn more, to uh, bring women together, to build community? What happens after that lunch meeting? Yeah, so I needed answers then. Like that's definitely, um, you know, I do like psychological uh, like analysis and one of one of my biggest um, strengths is curiosity you know like I really like to dig and go down these rabbit holes I ask a lot of silly questions that don't need answers but I often ask good questions as well and end up finding out some interesting things and so I remember writing an article um, and I think I called it uh, the shite the shite that nobody tells you about perimenopause and it was one of those articles that I think it's been viewed nearly a hundred thousand times now. And I, wow. I, I only wrote it on a, my very small blog because I just was so frustrated and people, and the comments are all the same. Oh my God, that's me right now. And it's a timeless piece because as soon as I'm out of this, somebody else is going through it. You know, I mean, there's always, we're always going to be experiencing this. And I realized that there was a, a deep lack of educational information out there for women. So we talked about this a little bit off air. I sort of started looking like what type of um, books are out there for, there was lots of resources I looked at, but what sort of books are out there? And there was a lot of medical books that like in my state of like, of feeling overwhelmed and having this impaired cognitive ability <laughs> and short-term memory. Yeah. Um, I couldn't read these medical books. They just were overwhelming for me. And then I would find other ones that were these like jaunty, funny, like wop, 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 isn't menopause a joke? And, and, and I just was like, you're, you're flipping me off. I actually want just a book that's practical, that tells me like it, it, like it, it is. It is. And that also doesn't promise me the world. Like, so that's another thing that I found. And um, like, you know, I've studied nutrition science. I mean, it's one of the things I feel really confident talking about. And I understand, you know, the, like the, the, the laws of thermodynamics. I understand like calories in and calories out. I, I get that, right? I can normally debate quite well on something like that. And then I was seeing books from doctors that I thought would, should be well-respected because they're medical doctors promoting things like um, keto green or lazy keto or intermittent fasting for women as being a menopause specific type diet. And I, I just got really confused and it made me doubt what I knew because mm -hmm. I, I would read these books thinking they're telling me something that I didn't realize or I didn't know to be true. And so um, I realized then that there are lots of people out there trying to just sell the magic pill. And it just became more and more apparent the more I started talking about menopause that we're an easy target. Women like can like we're desperate. We put weight on. We feel like crap. We've also probably got more money than we did when we were in our 20s. So we can mm -hmm. afford to spend a bit more money on finding out the answers. And yeah, and great. There's people out there ready to take advantage of you. And I just got really angry with that. With oh, right? exactly. I mean, I think this is where our, our main interests really, really start from is that we want women to have, in your case, practical, right? Evidence-based, which is really my case too, evidence-based information so that they're not spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on something that has no scientific basis or yeah. maybe little scientific basis or swayed scientific basis. Biased usually, yeah. So you kind of then land into this world where when you go to Google, you know, the bookstore probably has 
what, five books on menopause, you know, we'll say five. Okay. And you look at those five and you see the spectrum here Too hard to understand raunchy humor. And then you go to Google the wild, wild west. And you start to realize what the majority of us do realize, which is who the heck do you trust? Yeah. It's really, really, really hard. And then there's people that I had like a, a lot of faith in and I understood to be experts. And then you don't need to dig too deep into it and just use a little bit of critical thinking to see that they're, they haven't, they haven't these intrinsic biases that actually usually aren't, don't hold any truth or are very cherry picked in their in their leanings and it's just you know I have a, a menopause community and and some of the things that are posted in there it's really difficult to keep on top of some of the terms like I I'm not methylating estrogen I've got estrogen dominance and and um this diet will balance my hormones and I'm just like why are you saying things like this why are you making something more complicated than it needs to be and who are you to say this are you an endocrinologist are you a menopause <laughs> specialist like Heather like I just got really upset with my world my world being the health and fitness world because I saw sure. two I saw two messages I saw unqualified people promoting menopause hormone balancing diets with testing that could be done by these people that isn't sort of um, supported by the FDA. We've talked about these ourselves um, that are also unnecessary and super expensive. And then I've also heard in my world as well, like the message that if you're fit and healthy, you're going to breeze through menopause. They don't take into account sort of like the genetic component and all of the, it's so nuanced for every person that yeah, for sure, if you're a good weight and you're fit and healthy, maybe certain symptoms won't present themselves. I know for one, like the vasomotor symptoms, the hot flashes tend to not affect women who have a highly in body mass there's you know there's some evidence to show that but in fairness to, to say to someone if you're fit and healthy you're going to breeze through menopause is just so simplifying Plastic. yeah it's harmful yeah. it's a harmful message because then you put blame on yourself because I did right. I was like so what did I do, do wrong, wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Am I going crazy? Am I having early dementia? Am I having a midlife crisis? Am I crazy? Is something wrong with me? And what did I do? What did, where did I go wrong? That's sort of what you've kind of been saying the last 20 minutes or so that so many women say. So this kind of leads me to say like, what a fantastic human to write a book, to give it from that perspective. So your book is called Menopocalypse. But I love the idea of actually you <laughs> combining this medical world word with this catastrophic word and uh, then having a whole book on how you bridge that, how you bridge that gap, how you, how you wanted to introduce this for uh, the lay person in a way that's going to make them feel that there is no, that there is not necessarily this black and white to it, um, that there's a, an individual uh a path, but also just, you know, sort of what you found just doing your own, essentially a little journalism research. So tell me about um, what was, what's your kind of, um, if you had to summarize, you know, the theme of your book, what would, what would you say? Yeah, I think you actually did it really well there. And um, yeah, I called it menopocalypse. And at first I was thinking, oh, does that sound like a really negative word? But actually when I was in the throes of perimenopause, 
was literally like the end of the world for me, you know. And so the whole point of the book is that it's hard and it's really hard for some women. We know like suicide stats, divorce stats, all of these statistics don't lie. No, um, they don't. It can, no, and the um, women's quality of life is completely impacted. And so I just um, wanted to talk uh, like about how real that is, but how there are, even though things may feel out of control, there are certain things that you can control. And, and even if it doesn't feel like it's working, what it is doing is, is setting you up for success as we age. As we know, when we go into postmenopause, there are so many health risks that are like waiting for us, right? And we can proactively be ready for those. Um, and we can build resiliency. And we can also change the way we view aging, which is a, a big message in my book as well. Um, and so... What I did is I taught the first part of the book. It's in two parts. The first part is sort of like the doom and gloom part. <laughs> it's like what I went through. And then I also talk but about. But it's so helpful, Amanda. It is. And it's not boring. I definitely don't oh. write in a boring way. And oh, I, try I to don't. Keep... <laughs> I don't. I, I, I have read her book, full disclosure, and I love it. And of course, you, you are such a charismatic person. And, you know, you grew uh, so much of a passion for um, this, this part of our lives that no, it's, it's, it's wonderful. But so that's yeah. part one. Yeah. So the, and uh -huh. I also, but I also talk about that about how um, menopause and midlife collide. And it's a really important chapter, because we do find ourselves as empty nests in a, a squeeze generation and um, the, the divorce rates, etc. But, but there is also a positive to that time of our life as well. Mm -hmm. um, I then talk about treatment options, which was co-written with you, Heather. And I thank mm -hmm. you so much for that because I didn't want to write something that wasn't vetted by someone who does this for their living and as it's their education um and then as i move and i also have a chapter on just about getting fat and i don't we don't need to talk about it now but it's just a bit this always the biggest question like why have i put weight on so the second part of the book is all like solution driven mm -hmm. and i always think that if you've got a problem you should always answer with what's the you know here's the problem here's the solution and so the book is broken down into it's a menopause um, a menopause toolkit that's broken down into four hacks and it, there's a nutrition so how to eat and what to eat mm -hmm. there is um an exercise portion and it's all about strength training how important that is especially in, a, in an aging population and through menopause and there's a 12-week strength training program which you can do at home which is quite handy right now since nobody's going to the gym mm -hmm. um i have a section on managing stress and sleep um, which is to me one of the hardest things in menopause. The, some of the physical symptoms are hard, but the, the stress that goes with it is probably the biggest thing you, you deal with, I would suspect. And then the last one I wrote with a, a psychologist, it again wasn't written by myself, and it was it's how to think and it's how to harness things that work for you with based on your values, which I think is super important and based on your strengths. Like yeah. I said, one of mine is curiosity. Well, the biggest one for me was curiosity. And I questioned it at first, but realized it's actually what drives me in life. Yeah. And, um, and then how to harness, harness those things and move resiliently into 
into the sort of second, the next stage. Yeah. That's uh, what a lovely uh, layout for someone to walk through. I, again, I think that certainly having a expert as your physician to walk you through and guide you through is so helpful, but having someone going through the same thing you are around the same time is also something that I know my patients crave. And it's one reason why uh, groups and support groups are growing so quickly. So Amanda, you have your own support group and your own website and just so much of a really nice social media presence that I'm, I'm fairly confident most of my listeners uh, already (laughs) know you and follow you. And I know a lot of them follow us, uh, uh, you know, both. Um, But For those of you who don't, um, tell us a little bit about your social media uh, groups. And I want to actually specifically ask you not so much about them, but how, how did they inspire you to, you know, what, what did they bring to you that helped you in writing your book? So, um, so first of all, um, yes, I am all over the place and I think we have a lot of mutual followers. I do try and promote what you do a lot because there's not many experts out there actually talking to women like they get it right and we need to be heard and so what happened for me is those two years specifically I have a I'm very social I'm quite very outgoing I have a lot of friends and I didn't tell any of them what I was going through because I was embarrassed because and I was ashamed because I, you know, of all the reasons we've said, there was a lot of blame put on myself and it was very isolating. And so I realized as soon as I wrote that article that women needed a place to talk and to to talk, just to share experiences. And I realized the shared experience just completely changes the way that you approach something. Um, And so I have a a Facebook group called Menopausing So Hard. Um, And um, I mean, I post about stuff on um, Instagram and on Facebook too. Um, But that's, that's a private group that people can go to just to chat. And I don't, there's no selling in there. It's very, it's just only community. That's the whole point of it. Um, But you can find everything via my website. Like you can find the book, you can find the community group, you can find all my social stuff. And my website is fitandchips.com and that's F-I-T-N chips. And it's a, (laughs) it's a brilliant name. We have to admit, I mean, (laughs) what is the origin of, and I will link it below too as well. So if you're watching or listening, you know, click below, what is the origin of the fit and chips? I, I've never asked you. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, so when I started my fitness business, I needed a branded name and I couldn't think of something and I knew it needed to sort of like have a little bit of like fun in it like to you know to emulate my personality but I also wanted to promote balance I'm all about like you can't just go all in you have to find real balance and quality of life and so I always like would say to my kids you can have you can have your chips as long as there's a bit of fit in there as well Mm -hmm. and so and obviously the British love fish and chips Ah, so it was it was a play a play on fish and and chips Got it. So no, there's not a single Brit that has ever said, why did you say that? Because it just is like, all right, I get it. You think you're funny. And I'm like, I am. It's brilliant. But, But it was actually my oldest son that picked the name, not me. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah. So I, you've done such great work in essentially opening the dialogue by talking about your story, which we know stories are so powerful, and then having these groups of hundreds of thousands of women now who can all find each other and talk to each other. What do you think are the benefits of that? What do you think are the downsides to that, if anything? 
Mm, yeah, well, there's, it, there's, a, there's always another side to the coin, right? So, sure. I mean, I, I definitely, when I wrote the book, wrote it with the intention of being an advocate for women's health, right? Really nothing more than that. I wanted to be the person that held up their hand and said, this is the knowledge I have, and this is my experience, and this is how it can help you. And there was, there's no more to it than that, because I do believe in the shared experience. And I believe in it because every time I write something like that and post it within my social media, I, I read every single comment like you do, and I listen, and I understand that they're feeling the same thing. And so in the community group I have, the Menopausing So Hard group, I really love that ability for a woman to, without worrying if it's too much information be able to say my vagina's like dry as an old leather handbag is this normal and it'd be completely fine to do the problem with having a, a facebook group with so many people in is that you then get advice from women that i don't stand by myself personally and so that's something I really struggle with, trying to find a balance of the, the worst thing for me is in the group when somebody says, I need to lose weight. How do I lose weight? And then all of the, I know I'm going to get a keto thread, a Dr. Jung intermittent fasting thread. And, and I just hate it. But I now have like just standard messages that I post that that people I want, don't want lots of little Amandas. I don't want people just to only think like me. It's really important that everyone believes what they, you know, believe. But I also want to have some integrity in the group. So I then always just post something that says, and this is what we know to be true. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, it, uh, this is... It's like herding cats. It really is. <laughs> and I... I, I I think about this every single day, multiple times a day. And I think you alluded to, there's a couple of reasons why this happens. First, women are desperate for solutions and desperate for answers. And what, the other thing that happens to women is someone says, this worked for me. And everyone thinks that it can work for them. And that's, there's, there certainly can be a lot of harm in that, especially if that thing was dangerous or not, you know, FDA approved, certainly potentially dangerous, right? I can definitely you know, also sort of say dangerous. Um, but I think that's why, I think that's why we're so excited about your book is, you know, if, if women can glom onto something that's safe and that's helpful and that helps them through in whatever way they need that's safe. I really feel like your book offers a safe solution and not just one solution, but several different parts broken up to what is bothering them and what's the priority for them. And so I think that that is such a big part of opening the dialogue. It's exactly true, right? Because what works for one person may not work for another as well. And it's really good to just like, like to listen. And then, but they, if you listen and you take lots of advice, then the only thing I would say to women is then really use your critical thinking skills and don't, don't just accept it to be true. Yeah. Like actually question things. And the problem is, you know, people are believing something they see in a meme and accepting it to be true. We know that in the bigger conversation outside of menopause. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to menopause where people are confused and you see something in a meme or your best friend told you this worked for her, don't just accept it to be true. Right. And I, I, I could not agree more. And the one other 
aspect to this that I say is, and I've been telling this to people I often see, is that we're dealing with science here. And if you didn't think science was political before, you certainly know now. And you add the women's health aspect of that, and you add in how much funding you need to study these types of things, especially the end of the reproductive cycle for women. And it actually can be uh, you know, quite political, but I don't really want to get into it. But I just do also sort of want to say, I think the other barrier as well that I, we didn't touch on yet is the, the healthcare provider education. And that's sort of my job. That's sort of my role here. And uh, because I do think that when women go to their doctor, just like it took you many different doctors and you you had one who just mentioned the word, there's still um, a lack of uh, education or re-education among healthcare providers. So, you know, if, 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 if there's anything that listeners can do is to push back a little bit on their doctor, because then I feel like, or their nurse practitioner or their physician's assistant, because then they will look for um, continuing medical education. We can re-educate our clinicians. Um, anything, did you find I was, that to yeah, be true? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I was going to Oh, it's completely true. And I also think that um, I do touch on it in the, book, in the book a little bit about like how to have a, a, a successful doctor's appointment right. um, and to have a checklist and to go, to go into the doctors armed with information like so you can advocate for yourself because I did advocate for myself, but it, I literally was talking to some people that didn't know. But once I did know, I then could like go with that information and have really successful appointments with my primary caregiver, who I love as a doctor and I am still with. I asked for hormone replacement therapy because I was really struggling with um, vaginal atrophy, the GSM symptoms and he said um well you know it can cause you breast cancer so you maybe want to rethink that and so i said well we know that that is an inaccurate statement and you really should um read the latest findings and and i still want the drug i wasn't going to argue with him and he gave me and i said what about my progesterone to go with it because i need it to protect my uterus and he went no you don't just take these and i went this isn't okay this isn't okay. You're giving me something that's not safe. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, long story short, he emailed me later that night and said, you're completely right. I didn't read up on the current guidelines. I'm so sorry. Wow. Come wow. back in and we'll do. And so I think that doctors don't expect to know everything. If your doctor's pushing back, ask to see a menopause specialist. There's plenty of resources out there, some telemedicine resources if you can't go and see a specialist. Um, but don't be afraid to push because it's your body and you really deserve the help. You don't deserve to be dismissed. And as far as like educating the doctors and um, I, I mean, I think you've got a huge mountain to climb. I mean, I don't envy you on that. I really don't. It's, it's, I do actually find joy in it. And what I do find is that, that women are asking their doctors more because almost every time I give a presentation, I have a long line of people waiting to meet with me and ask me questions because this is not some rare thing, right? This is something, if you get to, if you, if you live to the average age of life expectancy in the United States, you are going to go through. So 50% of, of someone's 
uh, you know, say it's our patient panel, if they're an internal medicine doctor or gynecologist, it's going to go through this. Mm -hmm. We also know that it's not just internal medicine or family medicine physicians, but also gynecologists who are also not up to date on menopause information. And there, there are several other reasons for that. The, the system is, is sort of stacked sometimes against physicians because of time constraints and, and all of these things. But I actually have to say on a positive note, I find that they're so excited to get re-educated and to think about it or to know that there is experts. And that is also something I love doing is seeing if I can, you know, training uh, my students, my residents, um, before they even go out and practice uh, in a, in an, I guess in an incorrect way for years is really changing their behavior at the beginning. So I am so excited for your book. Uh, I was just told I'm getting a copy in the mail and I cannot not not wait. I have read through a majority of it, but just to have it in my hands and to flip the pages and smell it. I don't love digital books. I don't know about you. I'm really old school. Like I like to cuddle up in bed with a book and yeah. <laughs> I think that the majority of people still, there's something magical about about a book, right? There is. I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited to be your friend and to have you as a warrior in this uh, campaign for making menopause normal or making the dialogue open. So I want to ask you, you told us a lot about your personal journey and a lot of which was somewhat personal. So thank you. And what has been the best part of your menopause journey so far? Oh my God. Well, you know what? I think I would say that from the symptoms are clearly the worst, but what has happened because I'm menopausal now and I, I think it happened to me young, like I was 48 by the time I was like, menopausal um and my symptoms died down a bit and I started to regain a bit of my old self again and um I I do talk about this in the book the the U curve of happiness and you know the 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 theory is, as you know, at the bottom of the U curve is when we're sort of in the doldrums almost, but then we start to come up the other side. And I've really found my confidence again. And I felt I've found my old personality has come back again. And that feels so good to me because when I was in the the, the mire of like seven years of really being symptomatic, I never felt like I would be that fun, happy person again. So it. I just like to, it's not really like a new thing. It's just the old Amanda's back and it feels so good. Good. I mean, yeah. it, it, I, I'm, I'm thrilled. I know thousands and hundreds of thousands of women are thrilled. What do you think the future holds? Well, what I want to say, what do you think the immediate future holds? Right. But let's say um, that, uh, you know, there is a world in which we can socially interact again, <laughs> or, you know, what do you think the future holds for, uh, for women in this menopause, perimenopause, midlife sphere? What, what, what do you kind of hope you'd see in your lifetime? In my lifetime, I, so I would love that, that this is the last generation that has to struggle like this. That's what I would Amazing. hope. Amazing. Because point. we, we now are forging the way forward for our daughters, nieces. You know, we need to do that. It's our, I think it's our responsibility. I don't think women are quiet anymore. And I think that the more people that speak out, if Michelle Obama can talk about it, anybody can. That's what I think. 
I I have goosebumps. Like I I am so uh, uh, ecstatic over everything that you have done and the the groups you have led. Uh, you're really you're really quite an icon. <laughs> thank you. I don't I say just, that lightly. Oh, thank you so much. I just now, I'm just like, really want to show women that, you know, like age isn't a barrier to doing new things and to staying healthy and it's never too late. All of those like really cheesy expressions, but it's sort of true, right? Like I just want women to realize that like you maybe even just only halfway in your life, like you got to keep living. Right, don't give up, just keep chipping away and picking at that scab because it's gonna get better. <laughs> the second act of life is sometimes the best, and I agree with you. If we have a, the next generation of women who knows what's going to happen, understands expectations, has evidence based knowledge on what they can and can do, just like they do with uh, other simple things like high blood pressure or diabetes or postpartum depression, we've really really made a dent in where we were even seven years ago when you didn't even know what perimenopause really meant. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so does the dog. She does. Rob, she does. Bravo, she does. Us females <laughs> stick together. <laughs> well, I think this is a good time to say thank you so much for joining me at my home, uh, in my kitchen with the dog barking. And I'm so happy to have Amanda Thebe here. You can find everything you want to know at fitandchips.com, F-I-T-N-C-H-I-P-S.com. If you do add the forward slash books, I think that will take you over to where you can uh, pre-order. I'm assuming it's pre-order, right, Amanda? Pre-order, and yeah. um, it's, in, it's um, in the UK and North America, and it comes out on World Menopause Day, October 18th. Yes. What an exciting, exciting thing. Thank you so, so much for being with us today. I will link uh, everything, of course, down below if you're not taking notes and you're driving or you're walking. And everyone have a wonderful rest of your day and evening. I thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this important episode because hearing uh, stories and learning from each other is the way that we are going to grow. Yep. Thank you so much, Amanda. Thank you for everything you do, Heather. Rock You're star. <laughs> Bye. Bye.